Good morning. May I invite you to stand in body or in spirit and join us in the call to worship. Out of the darkness of grief and despair comes a message of hope. Christ is risen. Christ, Christ is, is risen, risen indeed. We run to the tomb to see for ourselves. The tomb is empty. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. We hear a voice call our name. And we know our risen Lord is with us now and always. Christ, Christ is, is risen. Christ is, is risen, risen indeed. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Come, let us worship the risen Christ. All right, all right, church, good morning. On Friday, morning, morning. <laughs> on Friday, Jesus died for us on the cross. So today on Easter Sunday, let's celebrate his resurrection. He is risen. Hallelujah.
Our Lord Jesus is so worthy of all our praises. Amen. Um, and we are thankful for his life, death, and resurrection. So uh, will you join us once again in magnifying our Lord Jesus as we sing through uh, Revelation 4, 11, or Revelation 4, 10 to 11. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, and they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. May our prayers be set before our Lord like incense, Psalms 141. May the lifting up of our hands be like the evening offering.
join us in a time of prayer. There are parts that are responsive, and I see a lot of new faces, so there are parts that you respond to uh, during this prayer. So, Loving God, help us remember the first Easter. Didn't begin with trumpets and choirs, processions and exclamations, but with fear and bewilderment while it was still dark before dawn. Holy God, we wept in sorrow and grief, and we hoped to see you one final time, only to find the stone rolled away and the tomb empty. Confused, lost, fearful, we ran to tell our siblings. Risen Christ, we ran to the tomb when we heard that the tomb was empty. Some of us didn't know what to make of the strips of linen and the burial cloth. Some of us saw and believed, 
even as we yet understood. And some of us continued to weep and mourn. Together, we, we all, all encounter you differently, differently as, as varied as our experiences of the empty tomb. Because resurrection meets us where we are, where there is brokenness, where there is death, where there is pain, where there is despair. And because Christ is risen, we know that love is stronger than death, that there is restoration, healing, and hope and forgiveness. God of life and love, your love story with all of humanity is the greatest story ever told. We pray for all who bring your word of life as a light to those in darkness, for those who bring your word of peace to those enslaved by fear, for those who bring your word of love to those in need of comfort, Lord of love and Lord of peace, Lord of resurrection life, be known through our lives and through your power, Christ the Lord is risen today. Alleluia. May our encounters with you in the empty tomb bring us back to life so that we may bring others back to life and bring your kingdom here on earth. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ, Christ is, is risen, risen indeed. Alleluia. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Not enough, not enough. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. I never get tired of doing this. And I hope you don't get tired of me doing this. Because sometimes church services become something that we just sit through. But this is Easter Sunday. And it cannot be one of those Sundays where you just sit through. It is a day of joy, of proclamation, that Christ is risen, Christ is alive. And if that's the only thing you take away today, that's it. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. So, I see many faces that are quite un that's quite new to me today. Uh, welcome. Uh, and one of the things I want to say first is that we used a, a software called Menti um, because um, that allows us to interact uh, and for you to participate in the construction of the sermon as well um, and to follow along. Um, so um, you can just scan the QR code or go to the URL fcc.li slash menti, M-E-N-T-I. Um, and that will bring you to the site. Um, today, there are a couple of questions that I will invite you to contribute to so that we can also hear your stories as we hear other stories of resurrection, stories of the empty tomb today. So I'll give you some time to um, go into menti.com. Oh, no, not menti.com. Go to fcc.li slash menti. Then you'll get, the link will bring you to our, um, to the presentation there. So at FCC here, we, Easter Sunday is also um, the day that we conduct baptism and induct new members into our church. Uh, the lectionary reading today is from John chapter 20. And I would like to invite Arnold, um, who is getting baptized today, 
to do the lectionary reading and to share his testimony with us. Okay. Sorry, yeah. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Madeline came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we, have not, we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrapping there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their home. Hi, uh, I'm Anna and today I'm getting baptized. Yeah. Thank, thank you. Yeah, uh, this is my testimony, sharing my account of my relationship with God. Uh, in my early and in my teens and early adult years, uh, I participated in Christian youth and fellowship groups. And as I progressed beyond the basic doctrines of God's love and salvation, I became deeply confused and troubled by the six biblical uh, clobbered verses that seem certain to condemn all forms of uh, same-sex relationship. I was perturbed and I did not know how to resolve this conflict inside. There was no one to turn to for help. There was no, no internet, uh, no FCC. There was no resources anywhere. And so all these uh, verses that seems to condemn me was so applicable to me at that time. There was uh, no running away from it. I felt condemned for what I felt was natural to me. So I began to backslide and eventually left uh, Christianity completely. It was the only obvious choice then to resolve this conflict in my heart and to find peace. Um, from then, being a free thinker, my priorities, interests, concerns were all directed towards attaining satisfaction and achievements in my career, finance, relationship, and other worldly matters that were frivolous and superficial, uh, such as going to the gym almost religiously in pursuit of uh, physical beauty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, all this did not really fulfill my inner needs. And any sense of happiness was temporal. I felt insecure, 
lonely and lost. Now, aging can be a curse or blessing. For most of us, physical and mental deterioration creep in, such as uh, less youthful appearance, vulnerability to pains and cancers, and decreasing mental faculties. But age also brings with it certain wisdoms resulting from past experiences, uh, being more sensitive and reflective. There was a particular in incident that awoken in me my own uh, feeling that, that death could happen when you're least expected. Indeed, life and death is in the hands of God. Now, this was what happened. Uh, I, led, I live in a so-called landed property, all right? So there was one day when I climbed up to my house attic uh, to check on the leaking water heater tank. As I approached and stepped onto the flooring near the water tank, the four ceilings suddenly gave way. Yeah. Uh, somehow I managed to grab onto a bar to break the fall. Now, if I had fallen, I might have died. I'm very grateful that uh, I was not taken to be with the Lord that day. Uh, so was God giving me another chance at knowing Him better? Uh, following that, I would say, um, my heart was therefore undergoing a spiritual revival. Uh, sometime in late 2021, I was going through uh, clearing my old stuff and I found a, a DVD movie entitled The Greatest Story Ever Told. It's an early 60s production. Yeah. I actually brought a copy of the, the actual DVD that I found. <laughs> yeah. This is actually a very uh, great movie. If anybody wants to borrow, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be glad to, to, to pass it on. Yeah. Um, the, the, the point is, the point of the matter is that uh, I was just so completely moved in my heart towards the end of the movie with the scene of uh, Jesus being tortured and being led through the streets of Jerusalem and the crucifixion moments. I felt so overwhelmed by the love that God was showing to us. Uh, I was moved by the Holy Spirit and rededicated my life to God. <laughs> So following that, in the early months of 2022, I watched a lot of YouTube videos, uh, particularly relating to pro-LGBT discussions on the six global verses, uh, besides other topics that will contribute further to my understanding of uh, general Christian doctrines and Christian living. Uh, I found FCC after searching for gay Christian churches in Singapore and I watched the online broadcast for the first few months. Uh, I felt comfortable enough and I attended my first FCC in person here uh, around May 2022 and I've been a regular attendee since. Uh, since returning to the Lord, uh, I feel more secure now, more grounded more beloved as a Christian. It is the start of a lifelong journey with God. Uh, certainly no walk in the park for sure. 
uh, there will be trials, tribulations, and temptations along the way. But I know that God is with me, uh, walking and leading me through the good and hard times. Uh, he will not forsake me. I have much to learn and grow as a Christian, but I will, through daily prayers, Bible reading, and interacting with brothers and sisters in Christ and at FCC. So today, I'm joining FCC as a member and also getting baptized after a long journey. Baptism to me is a public confession of my faith in Jesus, in the resurrection power of God. I want to openly declare my faith in Christ. And baptism to me is an open manifestation of my faith uh, in God. Thank you, Arnold, for your testimony. We all encounter God differently, as varied as experiences of the disciples at the empty tomb. Yes, Mary Magdalene, Peter, and the disciple that Jesus loved, all were there at the empty tomb. But each of their experiences was different. And resurrection feels different for each one of us. Because each one of us have different things that need to be brought back to life. Peter saw. Peter first went into the uh, first went into the tomb, and saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that was on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed as. Yet, they, were, they, do not, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. What did they see exactly? And what did they believe? They saw something that convinced them that Jesus is not dead. He is alive. And that's the chorus I was repeating in my head the whole day. Um, whole morning, right, since I woke up, he is not dead, he is alive. They were convinced that love is stronger than death. This was their conversion experience. They witnessed something that convicted them. When Arnold shared with me how moved he was when he watched the greatest story ever told, I immediately saw this experience as his conversion experience. That DVD was his linen wrappings and burial cloth. And for us, each one of us, we may have different things. That DVD, you know, watching that show, may not be a conversion experience for us. And that's how faith is like. Everyone encounters the empty tomb and comes away with a different experience. I want to invite next Ines, who is joining us as a member today, to share her story. Ines.
Hi, everyone. Uh, good morning. <laughs> I'll try to talk a little louder. Uh, my name is Inez. Uh, that's I-N-E-Z. I know it's a, it's a tough four-letter name. Um, I think most of you, I don't know most people here, uh, and most of you don't know me, uh, because I have not done very much to meet people <laughs> since coming to FCC for the first time since about September of last year. Um, I also, I usually wear my spectacles, um, and I'm, I'm my hair cut very short today, so this is like the worst to me. I'm sorry. Uh, so I will look different next week, but I will still be here. Uh, and um, I thought that um, since I was joining FCC, this was a good opportunity for me to uh, introduce myself a little bit. Um, and I hope to talk to more of you soon, um, though I'm very bad at names and faces. So uh, sorry if I have to meet you several times. Um, so, to say a little bit about uh, how I came to FCC, um, the last, I have to start by saying, the last three years were uh, very tough years for me. Um, so, around the start of the pandemic, um, around 2020, um, was when I started having really severe migraines um, and other health issues and mental health issues. Um, I think, as, as many of us know, you never have one health issue at once, you have them all at the same time. Um, so. Um, that was the start of a period where I was kind of um, just taken out of a lot of things, just not doing the things I was usually doing. Um, it was largely due to stress um, from being a teacher during the pandemic um, and work-related stress and job-related stress and, and trying to look for a job to move to, to, move to Singapore at the same time. Um, and I've been doing a lot better in the last few months, finally, so I think this is a, the start of a new season. Um, but uh, I think that's kind of when Things started for me over the last three years, and um, through it all, um, something that God was really showing me um, unexpectedly was that his love for me was was really unconditional. I think I hadn't known what that meant before. It was something I, I try not to think about to this day, um, because it forces you to face, face the fact that... Um, it has nothing to do with, with who I am um, or what I do or what I can do or what I'm able to do for God or for other people, um, what, uh, what I can do for church. Um, it has nothing to do with all of that. God's love is, is absolutely unconditional um, in every moment of, of our lives and my life, um, including the, the very lowest of lows. So um, it, was, it was a very painful lesson, which I did not want to learn, but <laughs> um, it changed my heart. and. Um, so when I moved to Singapore in uh, July of 2021, um, when people were asking me, like, oh, you know, what are you looking for in a church, in a community? Um, I found myself saying, I really want to find a church where uh, I experience God's unconditional love um, for me and for everyone. Um, the love that God has for every single one of us as his creations and his beloved. Um, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we've been through, uh, who we are, how we identify, um, or, or anything we're experiencing or have experienced. So um, I think I've been thinking about, I'm a little, a little emotional because I've been thinking about it a lot, especially since um, Good Friday. And I, I wrote this testimony before last week, and, and during Good Friday I realized, like, I don't, I don't even know what God's unconditional love is. It is, it is so beyond our understanding. Um, thinking about, you know, God as Jesus, the first thing he did um, after coming back to life was he went to go um, he went to go reconcile with his friends who deserted him and 
Um, and he went back and loved the people who abused him. And um, I think it's not how we think of love, and it's, it's not even a love that, that any of us, I think, can do on our own. But uh, anyway, so uh, I'm grateful to have experienced that here, and so thanks. <laughs> um, it's fine. Um, I'm almost done. <laughs> grateful to have experienced that here and to um, be continuing to experience that here. And um, I guess if you're looking for a church, I encourage you to stick around. And <laughs> um, I look forward to, to experiencing that more here as part of this family. Thank you. Thank you, Ines. Those of you who know that we have a teleprompter at the back will know that that part was entirely unscripted. <laughs> when I was preparing and reading through, I didn't know that there would be tears, but usually tears come very um, often here in this space, and tears are welcome here. Right. I want to ask, listening to Ines' experience, do you see echoes of the empty tomb? And I wonder how many of us believe, but only believe in part. When Ines shared with me her reflection, she shared an experience that, was very, that is quite common, right? Feeling unworthy of God's love and thinking that God's love was conditional. But her conversion experience during the last three years of the pandemic was a learning experience that God's love was unconditional. It didn't depend on her work or service in church or whatever she could do for other people or even God. God loves her as her, unconditionally. I had this insight when I was reading from John um, chapter 20, the verse 1 to 10 during the week. I wonder when you were listening to Arno reading the story, what cropped up like for you? What cropped up for me was, why on earth is John referred to as the, the disciple that Jesus loved? Like, is it an ego trip thing to say that I'm better? In the past, I've always read it as some rivalry between John and Peter. After all, they raised each other to the tomb. Well, who gets there first, right? And so, in my thinking, the author had to tell us that this is the disciple Jesus loved, right? It is a, you know, trying to elevate the status of um, the author of the gospel, right? The gospel is supposed to be written by John. Uh, and especially when the center or, or a lot of their intention usually is actually focused on Peter, right? Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? And after, you know, um, and the, the rivalry is shown now, after Jesus asked him, uh, the, you know, do you love me in, chapter, in John chapter 21, Jesus tells Peter how he's going to die and says, follow me. And Peter's response is not like, yes, I'll follow you, you know. 
His response was, Lord, what about him? Like, it seems that there's some competition, right? Between John and, and Peter. But it's rather, as I reflected on all the stories of all the, the folks, everyone who was joining as a member, I invited them to share their reflection of their journey with FCC with me. And from their stories, I, I saw something else in this story. Because it's, I don't think that the author of the, of the Gospel of John is on an eagle trip. It's rather our character, right, to, for a disciple to be so humble to keep saying, I am the, the disciple that Jesus loved. I think that there could be something else. Some people have suggested that the beloved disciple is unnamed, like some characters in the Bible, so that we can identify more easily with the narrative. And then I reread those verses again from the perspective of the beloved disciple. Then I thought, what if the beloved disciple hesitated to go into the tomb even though they got there first because at that point in time, the disciple wasn't convinced that they were beloved? What if they didn't think that Jesus loved them as much as Jesus loved Peter? So thinking that maybe let Peter go in first. I'm not as deserving. Or I'm not as worthy as Peter. Especially since Jesus washed Peter's feet first, right? And Peter is so named because Jesus said, I tell you, you are Peter, Petros. And on this rock, Petra, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Peter has a special place, a special role. Maybe John felt less than. And I want to ask you, like, perhaps like the beloved disciple, like Ines, how many of you have felt that you weren't good enough for church or not good enough for God? I certainly have often felt that I wasn't good enough. Right? This is the point where you can take out your phone and you know, um, you know, you're connected to um, mentee and then you key in the answer. Right? This is the easy one. This is the yes, no. Great for those who have not felt that you're not good enough. I'm glad that society, church, and everything that you know, goes on in our lives have not caused you to feel unworthy or less than. But for many of us, that's a reality. There may be a myriad of reasons to feel not good enough. For many of us here at FCC, it is related to our sexuality. Not all of us, but many of us, right? Our, sex, sex, our sexual orientation or our gender identity. But for many others too, they feel they're not good enough. You know, maybe because of their education, their socioeconomic status, their race, their nationality, their job. And for some, maybe there's a need to 
do things to prove that they are good enough. And sometimes we end up trying too hard to be better than others, trying too hard to prove that we are correct, that we are right, perhaps right about theology, right about you know, our beliefs, trying very, very hard because somehow we are only half believers. We only half believe we are beloved. Half believe in God's unconditional love. Because that half believe means that, that love, God's love is somehow conditional. Perhaps we are only loved if we volunteer in church. We only love if we do well in our work. Or we we are only loved if we believe in the right doctrines or have the right theology or understand the Bible in the correct way. That is limiting the radical, limitless, unconditional love of God. To believe fully is to embrace our identity as the beloved disciple. Perhaps that's why they use that instead of their name, at certain parts of the passages, to remind themselves that they are beloved, the disciple that Jesus loved. Maybe one day there was an awakening and go like, I am beloved. And repeating to himself, I am the disciple that Jesus loved. That at the end, finally, they came around to recognize that even though they weren't going to be the rock of the church like Peter, they were loved all the same. Just like what we believe here at Free Community Church. Free stands for first, realize everyone's equal, equally beloved by God, equally worthy. I want to share a reflection from Sue, um, who is a bit shy and don't want to come to share her test, her story in some ways. So I'm reading this on her behalf. I don't know if Catholic guilt really exists. Part of me liked to think that it was just yet another pop culture jab at a church I've grown up in. The rest of me believed it was probably true because there was no other explanation from this deep sense of unease that went down to my bones whenever I stepped into church for Mass these days. I'll spend the whole mass steeped in misery and self-loathing, mind circling around myself rather than focused on the cross and the Word of God, wondering if it was okay for me to be here, if it was okay for me to even be. All because I reached a point in my life when I couldn't deny any longer that I was most definitely not straight. The voices in my head spoke louder than the word of God that being preached on the pulpit. I wasn't a good Catholic girl anymore. I wasn't good. This wasn't something I could talk to a priest about at confession and have absolved. I've seen how those around me reacted to those who dared to out themselves in church. I knew what my family would say, had said. Besides, just how does one absorb a part of yourself? If the people around me knew who I was, they would surely ask me to leave or to keep hiding who I was, stay in the closet and deny myself as if 
the queerness will wilt from a lack of sunlight. It was at my grandmother's funeral mass, sitting in church, going through the motions with a stuffy priest who knew nothing about her spouting a trite and unfeeling homily, seeing her coffin lying right there and wondering if she still loved me now, now that she was with God and knew that I was queer. I couldn't live like this any longer. It was a stupid question. Of course she loved me, just as God loved me. There was no use in staying here and trying to be what I wasn't if the struggle was only pushing me further away from God. And that if I continued as I was, I would die one day and there would be a Catholic funeral for me, just like this one, and nobody would even know who I really was. I attended my first face-to-face -face service at FCC two weeks after the funeral. And it wasn't until I'd gotten home after service that I realised what was different. My head. It had been so quiet, so peaceful during service. The voices, they were all gone. And it was just me and God and the people around me. I still don't know if Catholic guilt exists. But one thing I do know especially in this season of Easter, is that death, so paradoxically, in its own way, brings us closer to life. And for the first time in a long time, I'm looking forward to growing in God's light and living with light for others. That is not my story. I can feel the emotions. Thank you so for sharing this with us. I wrote back to her and I went, um, honestly, you know, I don't know how um, we can bring that sense of peace to people who come to FCC. Because all I see is our busyness getting, you know, the, you know, running through, you know, the sound, the lights, you know, the camera, and getting everything ready, and not realizing the power that God does through the Holy Spirit to touch those who need to be touched in this space. I really have no idea, and thank you for reaffirming the work of this church. Sue said, death, paradoxically, in its own way, brings us closer to life. The empty tomb is a place of resurrection. Years ago, when we moved here, Reverend Yap, um, the late Reverend Yap, our pastoral advisor, um, the retired bishop of the Methodist Church, commented that this place was like a cave. It still feels like a cave, right? It didn't help that we often closed the curtains because the projectors were not bright enough and they're still not bright enough, right? He said that it was like a closet without much light coming in. We have been here since 2014. And while there have been some changes, we removed the platform that's in front because we wanted worship not to be a performance, we wanted 
where the congregation just watches, but bring worship and the congregation together on the same level with the worship team. Then for a season, we put up towels that we drew so that we have a stained glass installation there. But even though we had these changes, I think Reverend Yap is still right. This is the cave. But I come to realize this is just like the tomb that Jesus was buried in, the cave tomb. And this tomb isn't one that's filled with death. This tomb is an empty tomb. This tomb is, hopefully, the place for us to experience new life, resurrection, restoration, and healing. This place is the place where we know fully and truly that we are God's beloved. We are the beloved disciples. I want to invite two more members who are joining us into our family today to share their stories, Harrison and Norman. And I want to invite you to listen from their experiences the story of the empty tomb. Harrison, please. Thank you, Pastor Miyak. Hello, everyone. My name is Harrison, and uh, this is my story. So when I was younger, like a boy and growing up, I was really into this idea of the whole church being the body of Christ, and this is what I've been taught when I was young. So all Christians are supposed to be good and preaching the Word of God, bringing people to Christ by living good lives, being good people, and that was their testimony to the world. So this changed over time, um, surely but surely. Um, it started with some Christians being anti-science and refusing to believe or even learn about science or just claiming that it was false. But to me, it's like if you don't even understand it, well, how can you refute what you don't understand? And it didn't really help that I was like a huge science nerd. <laughs> Um, yeah, so interestingly enough, me learning to be pro-LGBT largely stemmed from a scientific perspective because once I found out that, you know, there's a biological component and you could not choose to be gay, um, to me it would just be immoral of God to condemn the nature of his own creation um, when he put that nature of into his creation in the first place. Um, such a God is not a God that I would... <laughs> think that is worthy of worship. Um, but sadly, over the years, I've seen more and more Christians and more and more churches go from wanting to do good in the world to being anti-science, anti-intellectualism, anti-LGBT, and even pro-fascism. Uh, um, so fast forward to, like, I was in my mid-20s. Uh, when I came out, my mom wanted me to go to conversion therapy. Um, Thankfully, it was just like a half-baked attempt at some pastor rambling his stream of disjointed thoughts at me, um, not really caring about who I am or what I think and feel. And, you know, thankfully, I wasn't sent off to some boot camp and forced to be away from my home or anything worse. Um, it was still pretty bad, though. Um, 
I was still really triggered by, you know, the LGBT phobia being gaslighted. And it was very irrational. And me being a, a rational person, when people talk things that are irrational, I get very, like, what's going on? <laughs> um, but I, at this, the core of it, I didn't really understand why God would allow such people to become pastors because I felt that them just, like, not caring about people and saying whatever was making Christianity being put in a bad light and it was leading many people astray from Jesus. Like, if God was in charge, why, why were these people so influential? And it just didn't make sense to me how the church, were, to me, was getting worse and worse. And people who were so selfish and unwilling to learn, to listen, to reflect and ask people about their lived experiences, how these guys were pastors and so revered and held to such a high regard. Um, but one day I, I came across FCC and I decided to join FCC. Um, I just want to pivot to the story of Ruth. And Ruth um, knows Naomi because uh, she is married to this man who, who passed away. And so Naomi is like her mother-in-law. Ruth decides to follow Naomi and she says to Naomi, Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will I be buried. And I find this interesting because, Ruth, in my opinion, Ruth's choice to follow Naomi's God is because of her relationship with Naomi, that she chose to follow her and adopt the same religious practices as her. To be frank, I, um, right now, I don't really care about the larger body of Christ in the world. I really don't. Uh, I wish all the best for them. I wish they would become better people. But I'll no longer lose sleep over them or torture myself over them. I, I care about the people in my immediate community and FCC has become my Naomi. Naomi has become home to Ruth and Ruth has decided that she belongs with Naomi and that she will journey with Naomi together. FCC has become a place where I feel safe to say what I truly think and feel. It is a place where we can ask as many questions as we want and really try to understand what is happening in the Bible. Another thing that I noticed, uh, when I, again, when I was growing up, I kept asking questions to you know, my church lead, cell leaders, and the answer I kept getting was God's ways are very mysterious. God's ways are higher than our ways, and as humans, we, we can't try to understand God. Um, to me, that was very boring and very deeply unsatisfying. And I would much rather have a deep conversation to try to learn more. I don't need a definite answer, but I just want to learn more than to brush it off and call it a day. Um, and to, to be real, like the world is still not a nice place. It's a place of, with violence and hatred of so many kinds and institutions and systems of injustice and so on. And FCC is the only church that I've come across that acknowledges and draws attention to these issues and actually sees the world through these lenses. And yes, it is really uncomfortable knowing about these things happening and having been acknowledged, but I would rather have this than some brainwashing prosperity gospel nonsense. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like I say, I, I say how I think and feel. Uh, I guess I shall end off by saying this. Um, I'm not a Christian because I want to go to heaven when I die. I don't really care about that. I'm not a Christian because I want to get something out of religion, again, like prosperity gospel or increased status in this world. 
don't really care about that. I'm not a Christian because I believe everything in the Bible is real. Mm. Uh, what I do know is that FCC is real. And the relationships that I've built with the people in FCC are real. And I do care about the journey of faith through life that we're going on together. And that's why I do care about. And that's why uh, this church, FCC, is my Naomi. Thank you, everyone. So next, we will invite Norman up. Thank you, Harrison. It's difficult for me to come after all these amazingly eloquent speakers, but I'll do my best. I, I've never fitted into church well. I've been a Christian for... 51 years, and church never worked. I didn't like church before I was a Christian, and when I became a Christian, I thought things might get better, but they didn't. They actually got worse. You see, I was coming out of a, a very inadequate, inferiority-based adolescence, and what I needed was to be built up. And when I came into church, I found myself in a hierarchy-based society in which I was placed at the bottom of the hierarchy. I was told I just had to do what everyone else said. I couldn't think for myself. I just had to it was, it was horrible. It was a disaster. When I first came to FCC, I attended SEED. And I remember very vividly listening to Pastor Miak explaining to me his perception of the Christian gospel. And he, he, said, he told us how understood it. And then at the end he said, that's how I see it, but if you see it differently, that's absolutely fine. That's entirely up to you. And for me, that was a breath of fresh air. I'd never heard that in church before. You mean I can come to church, I don't have to leave my brain outside in the umbrella stand when I come in. I can actually think for myself. I can work things out with God for myself. And no one's going to judge me and say, you've got it wrong. For me, that was just something completely unique. And that was something that really drew me to this church. I don't know if any of you have ever really thought about what made the early church so different from the churches we see today? Well, one answer I would give you on that is I would say the early church was a persecuted church. It's not entirely clear whether Christianity was actually illegal in the early Roman Empire. Some people think it was, some people think it wasn't, but whatever, it was definitely a persecuted church, an outcast, despised, marginalized, 
and rejected minority. And that, in many ways, defines its character. That came to an end after 300 years when the Roman emperor converted to Christianity and suddenly the outcasts became the establishment. The poor became the rich, the persecuted ones became the persecutors and the age of innocence was over and nothing in the Christian church was ever the same again. I know there's some people here who have a dream. They have a dream that one day Christians will not be judged by the color of their skin or by their sexual orientation, but rather they will be judged by the content of their character. Well, that may happen one day, but to be honest, I'm not sure that it's going to happen. Actually, things may get better, but they may equally get worse. But you know, it doesn't really matter for us because, you see, the Bible teaches us that God has a special place in his heart for the poor, for the marginalized, for those who are not able to fully participate in wider society for whatever reason. And the Bible tells us that God's favor is particularly on those people. So I just want to share with you something from sixth chapter of Luke's gospel. It says this, Blessed are you when people hate you, exclude you, revile you, and defame you. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. This is where I should... Leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. I know Harrison says he doesn't care whether he goes to heaven or not. Well, that's up to him. For me, I, I do want to go to heaven. It's, it's important to me. And a great reward in heaven, I find a very attractive proposition. So, but that's the beauty of this church that we can all hold our own opinions. So in short, that's why I rejoice and that's why I, I'm very happy to become a part of this church, which for me is as close to the ethos and philosophy that I see in the early Christian church as described in the Bible as anything I've seen. For me, this is what church is actually all about, and that's why I'm very happy to become a member here. Even though I'm not L, I'm not G, I'm not B, I'm not T, I'm not Q, I'm not plus, even so, I'm just so happy that people here just accept me as what I am. Thank you very much. Thank you, Harrison and Norman. Um, and 
Norman rejoices to be part of this community. That's why he's here. And these new members have shared with us their stories. And here's an opportunity for you to share yours on Menti. We have a word cloud. What about you? Why are you here? This may be the first time you are here in FCC. That's fine. You know, you don't need to answer it. Um, but for many of you, you have been here for a while. Why are you here? Why are you here in this empty tomb, seeking a family away from home, a calling, growth, service, being your authentic self, acceptance, openness. Well, acceptance looks like the biggest one. Love of God, love, ministry, openness, freedom, solidarity. To be close to God, to reconnect with God. I'm okay being gay. Reconciliation, obedience to God. School, well, that's an interesting one. Church is school, okay. <laughs> yes, it is. Community, family. Thank you. Refuge. Easter. Yes, you're here for Easter. Great. Wow. No fear to worship God. Thank you. Okayness. That's a very nice one. Celebrate Christ. Please continue to pour out this word cloud of why we are here at this empty tomb. When Reverend Yap commented that this place was a dark cave, I felt pretty, I wouldn't say offended, but hurt. Like, this is our homeland. And you call it a cave, like a closet. That's what we have, right, in my mind. And it's not until today, you know, it has been how many years, right, since we moved here, 2014 to now, that I see that this is more than a closet. This is the empty tomb. I'd rather that this place be the empty tomb, that a cave that resembles a womb, the safest place that we can be, than be in a church with stained glass windows and magnificent architecture, but fails to live up to God's radical love that transcends our petty human biases and egos, or a church so preoccupied with keeping up appearances instead of paying attention to those on the margins who are crying out for justice. Just as Norman shared, God has a special place in God's heart for the poor, the marginalized, and those who are not able to participate in wider society. God's favor, Luke's gospel tells us, is particularly on them. There are times where we might want to think that we are the ones who are persecuted and see this as a fortress or somehow. But this is the empty tomb 
but you encounter resurrection and transformation and you go out to proclaim new life for others as well. Others who are marginalized, others who are oppressed, others who are on margins who may not be like us. May we rejoice to be part of this Christian community that's about resurrection. That's not just about life after death, but also about bringing life back to the dying here and now so that all, all will be fully alive. My mentor, Reverend Jim Muskowski, shared his reflections on Easter recently in the San Francisco Reporter. He wrote, If we can broaden the definition of resurrection, we can experience it even more fully. If we can detach it from negative experiences of church, we can see resurrection as a commitment on a daily basis to live life fully and to make sure everyone has the same opportunities to do the same. To believe in resurrection is to believe that change is always possible. And I have a final question for you. What does the empty tomb mean for you today? It's longer, it's not just a one word anymore, it's not a word cloud. It's a longer, you know, short, an short answer, but longer than just a couple of words. And thank you for reflecting and joining us. A new beginning, a new start. Those who weep will be comforted. Christ is, has risen, yes. Light, revival and rest. Hope at living again at a second chance. Freedom, the chains that hold me are broken. I want to live again. I am alive in Christ. No more condemnation because Jesus' work at the cross it's done, finished. Jesus lives, and because He lives, we li can live in His resurrection life. Thank you. There are many different ways we experience our empty tombs. It is important that I do not see yours as less valid than mine, and you do not see yours as less valid than someone else's. Perhaps you didn't have something so dramatic like a life-changing experience like falling off from a false ceiling that doesn't make you any less loved or any less worthy you don't need to show some miracle that happened to you and make you feel that god loves you god loves you maybe you haven't experienced something that you can point to and say, God spoke to me at that point in time. That doesn't mean God isn't present in your life. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Maybe you're, like, maybe you're more like the beloved disciple, and not like Peter, who has so much drama, right? Denying Jesus three times, and crying, and full of regret. And then meeting Jesus again, and getting asked, do you love me? And then going onward to his life, 
to dedicate his life to the work. You don't have to have that drama to know that you are loved. The empty tomb is where grief is met with joy. Unbelief is met with faith. Despair is met with hope. And guilt is met with forgiveness. And the empty tomb isn't just about us. We are to go and tell others Christ is risen. And through that, we are given new life and given new life abundantly so that we and everyone else can live life fully. May we commit ourselves to live life fully and make sure everyone else has opportunities to do the same. Because we are equally beloved by God, equally worthy. We are all the beloved disciples of Jesus. We are all the disciple that Jesus loved. First, realize everyone's equal. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Amen. We now come to the point of the service where we have the baptism liturgy and the membership liturgy. First, I'll need to roll away the stone. I know, Kenneth, will you come up and join us? Thank you, Kenneth, for being um, our note sponsor and his cell leader. So, we have confessed many understandings of baptism sacrament, symbol, sign. Some of us were baptized before we remember. Others only later when we said, I believe. Whether immersed, poured upon, or sprinkled, it is your action, gracious God, that defines our baptism. Having put off the old nature, we have been clothed with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. Behold, God is making all things new. In baptism, we honour possibility and celebrate the sacredness of life. Let this water be a sign of our desire to join together in our love for God and for one another. Siblings in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are joined into Christ's holy church. We share in the story of God's mighty acts of salvation and we receive new birth through water and the Spirit. Those who are baptised and would like to renew your baptismal vows are invited to join the baptism candidates in their responses. Arnold, do you desire to be baptised into the faith and family of Jesus Christ? Yes, that is my wish. Do you promise? by the very grace of God, to be Christ's disciple, to follow in the way of our Saviour, to resist oppression and evil, to show love and justice, and to witness to the work and word of Jesus Christ as best as you are able. I promise, I promise with, with the, the help, help of God. God. 
Do you promise, according to the grace given to you, to grow in the Christian faith and to be a faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ, celebrating Christ's presence and furthering Christ's mission in the world? I promise with the help of God. All present here, will you witness this new beginning for our newly baptized friend? Will you keep him in your prayers? Help him. Share with him your ministry, bear his burdens, and forgive him and encourage him. We will. God, bless this water, we pray. By the power of your Holy Spirit, may we remind us that we have been born again into new life, that we may remain faithful until we are united with you in the life to come. Amen. So, Arnold, I invite you to kneel. I baptize you in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Mother of us all. You, you, Creator Spirit, strengthen him with your gifts of grace to love and serve as servant of Christ, to share in Christ's royal ministry, his priestly ministry, and his prophetic ministry. You may rise, Arno. I present to you, servant of the servant God, Arno. May they reflect the glory and image of God. Thank you, praise God. Our hands are the hands of Christ to shape the kingdom of God. Our hearts are the heart of Christ that will dream the kingdom of God. Our mouths are the mouth of Christ that will speak of the kingdom of God. Our legs are the legs of Christ that carry the news of the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you. So we move to the membership liturgy. For those of you who are just joining us, new to us, please bear with us as we go through this liturgy of commitment uh, of not just the new members, but also um, our current members of the church. Hmm. We have some new friends making a decision today to join this body of Christ as a member. And may I invite them to stand as you are able and willing? Um, Inez, Arnold, Harrison, Norman, Gary, and Sue, and uh, Peter, who is not here today. And will you please welcome them? In addition to introducing you and welcoming each one of you as a member of FCC, I would like to invite all members of FCC present as you are willing and able to stand um, and join our hearts together in response to these questions. Yeah, if you are visiting with us and not yet ready to be a member of FCC, please allow us this time as we go through this together and that you too will consider what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. Dear friends, is it your wish to make this community of faith, FCC, your church family, and the people with whom you will share your journey of faith? Is this a place and are these the people with whom you will seek to make sense of the issues of your life, your dreams, your faith, who you are, what you are to do, who God calls you to be? Yes, yes that, that is, is my wish. wish. 
Is it your wish to make this place where you continue your journey into greater health and wholeness, where you listen to the story of God's salvation and the good news of Jesus Christ, allowing Jesus to be an example and teacher to you, where you are called to a life of love, compassion, ministry and, grace, and justice, where you are fed at the table of new life? Yes, that is my wish. Will you commit yourself to seek and serve Christ in unity with this community of faith? I will, will with God's, God's help. help. Will you pledge your spiritual, social and financial support to this community of faith? I, I will, will, with God's help. And to the existing members, will you, who are members of FCC, who are witnessing these promises, share the joys and sorrows and do all in your power to support these persons, the new members, in their life in Christ. We will, with God's help. Will you welcome these new members into our family? Embrace their gifts, their needs, and their dreams. Will you recognize that their presence and participation will change the shape of the body and help it grow in new ways? Will you support them in their journeys and assist them in their ministries? We, we will, will, with God's, God's help. help. Together, loving, loving God, send your Holy Spirit to be, to be among us, knitting us one to another. Help us to grow with each other, to love each other, to support each other. That by sharing our lives in this community, we may come to know and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Executive Pastor of CC and speaking on behalf of the entire congregation, I welcome each one of you as active members of FCC. May the Holy Spirit be with us now and always. Amen. Please be seated. And now we'll enter in the time of a Holy Communion and I invite Harrison to come preside over communion with me. We roll the stone back. The cross is two lines intersecting. The cross is where sorrow meets joy, pain meets healing, fear meets faith, death meets resurrection, hate meets love. The table, this table is at, at the intersection, intersection where two lines meet. This table is a declaration that love is stronger. Love is stronger than hate, stronger than death. This table is where we break bread. It's the table of love, the center from where love flows. This table, this table is, is one, one of awareness, awakening, of forgiveness, of salvation, of love. The disciples did not recognize Christ when they taught theology, doctrine, interpretations. They only recognized Christ when they broke bread at the table. This table is the ritual table. But the real table is a table we sit and eat and drink every single day. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. All who come to me shall not hunger, and all who believe in me shall not thirst. With Christians around the world and throughout the centuries, we gather around these symbols of bread and wine. Simple elements that speak of nourishment 
and transformation. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you that you are as close to us as breath, that your love is constant and unfailing. We thank you for all that sustains life, and especially for Jesus Christ, who teaches us how to live out an ethic of justice and peace. And for the promise of transformation made manifest in his life, death, and resurrection. We ask you to bless this bread and this cup, through this meal, make us the body of Christ, that we may join with you in promoting the well-being of all creation. Amen. We remember the night when Jesus and the disciples had their last meal together. Jesus took the bread, gave thanks, and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat it, and as often as you do, remember me. In the symbol of the broken bread, we participate in the life of Christ and dedicate ourselves to being his disciples. In the same way, He took the cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to the disciples, saying, Drink this, all of you. This cup is a new covenant poured out for you and for many. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. In the symbol of the cup, we participate in the new life Christ brings. And now, may I invite the stewards to come forward to help us distribute elements, please? So as the stewards are distributing the elements, um, please help yourself to the elements. And please hold on to them until everyone is served, and then we'll partake of the elements together. So at FCC, we practice an open table. That means that no matter who you are, no matter what your spiritual background is, you are invited to come to this table of grace. And so you're welcome to partake of communion if you, and as long as you're willing.
loving God that you have refreshed us at your table strengthen our faith increase our love for one another as we have been fed by the seed that became grain and then became bread may we go out into the world to plant seeds of justice transformation and hope Amen please be seated So welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free, as Pastor Miak said, stands for First Realize Everyone's Equal. FCC is an inclusive church. That means you're welcome here regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your religious background, your economic status, or any of the labels the world puts on you. And I think that has come through very clearly in some of the stories that were shared today. So thank you so much for all those really, really honest and vulnerable sharing. Uh, makes me feel so proud to be part of this church. <laughs> so yeah, my name is David. I'm the service leader for today. Um, so if, if you're joining us for the first time today, um, we would invite you to, to scan this QR code or go to fcc.ly slash welcome, and you can leave your details there, and then uh, one of our staff can reach out to you to find out how we can serve your needs, um, particularly today because I think we have a lot of newcomers. So. Please don't be shy. We won't spam you. This is just a chance for us to get to know you. Uh, and we do have a newcomers meeting at the last Sunday of every month. So this month, it will be on the 23rd of April. That will be right after the service. Um, so if you're interested in that, um, you can just email info at freecomchurch.org. And it will be an opportunity for you to meet some of our leaders, uh, get to know about our history, our theology, ask any questions you have as well. Um, so we'll now continue to worship God with our giving. There's two ways you can give. You can scan the QR codes above. One of them goes to our general fund, which is for operational expenses and our staff salaries. The other goes to building fund, which is the paying down the mortgage on this property. Um, and you can also give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. But if you're a guest with us today, please don't feel obliged. Okay? We're, this is more for our members who are committed to our, our ministry. Um, so please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear Lord, you are worthy of it all. You've given us everything. Your love is boundless and limitless. You've given us your very self, your son, your spirit, and your, you've placed that into our hearts and enabled us to know you. And so with grateful hearts, Lord, we return to you just a portion of what you've given to us. May you bless this offering and use it to further the ministry of this church to be your hands of love and grace to more people who need to hear about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're here on site and you would like to drop some cash into the bag, 
Uh, I, may I now invite the ashes to come forward to take up the offering? And if you're here and you would like to drop some cash into the bag, um, please just raise your hand and then the ashes will come to you. So while the ushers are going around, we have a few announcements. Um, so uh, this Easter is, marks the end of our Lent sermon series, and next week we'll be embarking on a new sermon series, quite appropriately named Fully Alive. So it's uh, a brand new sermon series, The Glory of God is the Human Which is Fully Alive. So join us, uh, whether you're online or on-site, for this new sermon series. Um, we also have a after-service events regularly. I mean, we're trying to have them about once a month. And these are also ways for you to get more plugged in, get to meet more people, and just have some fun after the service. So we call it ACE, After Church Events. And right now, we're actually looking for people who are willing to host these events. Uh, maybe you have a skill, you have a hobby, you have a professional ability that you think, I could actually lead a session and share that with the church. So if that's you, you can email info at freecomchurch.org or you can talk to Jeffrey uh, and you know, share some of your ideas of how you can enrich the community with your gifts, your talents, knowledge, and experience. Uh, we also are looking for people to join our social media team. We're starting a new team. Uh, so if you feel like you're good at Instagram or you're good at posting and stuff like that, Drop a message to Pauline at infofreecomchurch.org to join our social media team. Um, coming up is our church retreat, and this is not something we do that often, maybe once every two years or not even that. So it's a great opportunity for if you're really looking to get uh, grow deeper into the community. Uh, it will be held in Batam on the 2nd to 4th of June. Uh, the rates are as stated over there. So if you haven't signed up yet but you're planning to go, please do that today because we need to get the room bookings down, make sure we've got the right number of hotel rooms. So again, if you're planning to go and you haven't signed up yet, please scan the QR code, do that right after the service today. Now, if um, you have any financial considerations, like you say, actually, I would like to go, but the prices are a bit high for me, you know, maybe I'm a student, I don't have income, please come talk to our pastors because we will um, be able to subsidize uh, for those who need it. Because we don't want the, the cost to be a barrier to anyone who wants to attend. Um, the retreat will be led by Re Reverend Maria Ling and Dr. Lim Sui Hong. They're friends of Pastor Myak. Uh, they come from Canada. So it'll be quite exciting. But we've also budgeted in a lot of free time between the sessions. So I think it'll be a great time for um, you just to come and get to meet people. And the last announcement is that every week we have lunch kakis. So this is for uh, if you're new to our church and you don't know a lot of people yet, and you think, well, actually, I'd like to stay on and talk to some people, have lunch, then we actually have a volunteer. Today's uh, volunteer will be Chua. I don't know where's Chua. Okay, she's at the back. But uh, later, if you, uh, if you would like to have someone to have lunch with, then come look for Chua at the back. And then she'll bring you to the nearby hawker center, where you can eat lunch together. So that's lunch kakis. Oh yeah, there's Chua. So Chua, raise your hand, please. Yeah, there's our lunch kaki for today in the green shirt with the red lanyard. Okay, and then uh, I think that's all the announcements we have. So I'll invite the worship team to come up and lead us in the closing song.
Okay, let's rise to celebrate once again Christ, our risen King. Remember, He is not dead, He is alive.
Jesus, indeed, you are alive. And because you are alive, we have hope. We have hope in new life. We have hope in resurrection. That no matter where we are, no matter what we are experiencing in our lives today, we know that we can come alive, fully alive in you. And so now go. Go as God's people of hope and of resurrection to proclaim this love and this hope to the world. Go, and may our God of hope go with you, both now and always. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much for joining us for our special service this morning. We, we, um, we want to send you off with God's blessings and have a blessed week ahead. Come join us again, okay?